you know, I've had the fortunate experience of getting to a place where I was so alone that self self leadership was the only way out. Mm. Right. And I know that I call that a unique, uh, unique experience because I don't think that everyone, you know, gets that. I don't know. I don't want anyone to, you know, get that experience because it's, it was almost what I needed to understand that at the end of the day, I need to depend on myself, you know, because I was so caught up in the rat race of figuring out who I needed to be for other people that I really lost who I was as a person. Welcome back, everyone, to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, a space designed to help redefine what it means to be a man in the modern era. Our hope with this podcast is to support men on their journey towards becoming the best possible version of themselves by providing insight, support, perspective, but most importantly, a safe space to live authentically with a community of conscious kings. Every week, we will take a deep dive into topics such as toxic masculinity, men's mental health, personal relationships, conscious leadership, and powerful guest appearances. Men, we see you, we hear you, and we are standing tall beside you every single day in the arena of misunderstood masculinity. Let's get into today's episode. What's going on? What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I'm your co-host, CK. It's your boy, Anwar Ahmed, a.k.a. A Squared. And we're coming to you live from across the country, as usual, to have a conversation today specifically about self-leadership and leading yourself in order to better lead others. But before we do that, you know what time it is. Mood Hey, hey, yo, hey, Coach Kyle. Give the people how you're feeling today, man. And I said how you're feeling today, man. Feeling. The feels? You want my feels? I want the feels. All right, all right. And then you can tell me how you're doing. Oh, okay, okay. That's confusing. Uh, (laughs) How how are my feels? My feels today, uh, you know, we're just having this pre-conversation into today. I, in this moment, feel really excited. My feels are, I can feel excited. I can feel... I can feel, I am feeling, I am feeling ready to go, which is beautiful. And I love that um, we do this together. I know that sounds interesting because we've been doing this together, but I was uh, talking to my partner this morning and she said, would you stay as up with this podcast if it was on your own? And I thought to myself, you know, I think part of me has had a thought of like, what would it like to have my own podcast? But what I recognize is like the beauty of being able to work and bounce things off each other and to have ideas come through you and through me and uh, knowing that today is like a commitment day because we're doing this together. The accountability here is so powerful. And I think sometimes I just don't really take that in sometimes. And so it was a really good reflection this morning to just think about this process in a, in a more gra- gratuitous way. And mm-hmm. so for me, I'm feeling excited. Uh, I'm feeling ready to go. I feel like the cross country has finally started to really just align between the two of us and the topics are coming through hot. We have some incredible guests on the way. And, um, you know, I just, I really enjoy this space and this podcast. So feeling excited and my mood, um, my mood is still really good. To be honest with you, my mood is still really good. There's a bit of 
um, some hiccups here and there, some expectations that I feel weren't necessarily met, which was my fault recently. So I navigated some feelings there and uh, I allowed myself to be like, you know what, this effing sucks. I allowed myself to have that space. I said, you know what, this decision, this thing that I didn't have control over, that I had a high expectation of, this sucks. And that's okay. Because in this moment, it really does suck. And I don't have to feel differently in that moment. Uh, it's okay that it sucks. And then I moved through it and then I made a different decision um, a little later. But um, yeah, I feel, I, feel, I feel really good. I feel really good. How's your mood, baby? I mean, I appreciate the gratitude there, man, for, you know, the space and our, you know, our partnership and kind of growing as, you know, brothers and um, as creators. Uh, I think that, you know, like you said, it is, you know, I've had those same thoughts, you know, do you go, you do this thing on your own and do you, you know what I mean? Do you try to, you know, carve out another lane for yourself where there's less people to be accountable for and you can kind of do things your way. Uh, but what you, what you, and we'll dive into the topic today, you know, about self-leadership is that, you know, self-leadership sometimes is a lot more powerful when you have someone to hold accountable to, you know, like it's, it's like you driving yourself because you want to be the best version of yourself ultimately, but for others, you know what I mean? Like, I want to be the best me so that I can continue to contribute to our partnership and all the other partnerships. And um, you know what I mean? It's like that. But when you take that away, it's like you become self, you're self-aware, you're, you're a self-leader, but then you're only accountable to yourself. Well, we know how that game goes sometimes, you know what I mean? We know how that game gets played out. So, you know, when that alarm clock goes off and I know that to me, that alarm clock is literally Kyle saying, wake up, we have something to do. You know, it's like, it's, there's a 100%. voice, there's a voice on the other side of the alarm clock. It's not just an alarm clock where I'm in control of like, no, yes, you know, and that little pull sometimes I think is the difference between being good and great. That little bit of like, no, we're going to do it. You're going to go for it. Um, the other thing I love about what we do, and you know, I, we're, we're rambling now, but you know, hopefully, you know, other people out there, if they're willing to create things or they're in partnerships that they're feeling a little bit like, uh, you know, like I want to maybe do things on my own, you know, the ability to know that, you know, when I do my research now and stuff like that, like there's, there's things that I'm like, it's bigger than just me. Like, I feel like I'm like, when I'm reading something, I'm like, oh, this is for me. It's for maybe sharing it with Kyle. And then they're sharing it with the bigger audience. It's like, I feel mm -hmm. more grounded by reading and looking for things. Um, and so I love that whole process too. I think that, um, I'm, I'm so just love that this is a space that we have and we both, you know, are people who have said that we wanted to use our voice for good, right? And this this gives us a way to do that on a consistent basis and get better at it. I think all good skills are built through repetition and this platform allows us to continue that repetition. So that's awesome, man. I'm glad that you feel that way. I definitely echo some of the same sentiments. And, um, you know, in terms of kind of how I'm feeling, like I'm just, that's, I said to you earlier, if someone, you know, held a gun to my head and said, pick up thesis topic right now, it would be leadership. You know, I think that that's something I'm just so, deeply interested in and fascinated by um and so how i feel i just feel super excited there's so many things going on in the world right now um when we're recording this the euro cup is going on today conor mcgregor fought last night nba playoffs are going on there's a lot of things pulling you in different directions right so it's it's so many things that I, so many places you hypothetically could want to be doing versus this but i ultimately really do care about leadership more than i care about any of those other things like that's how passionate i am about leadership so for me to like be able to tune out everything that's going on and be so present in this conversation just shows my excitement level for this topic um, and my curiosity for this topic and then you know how i'm doing i'm juggling a lot there's a lot going on right now it's uh you know the world is uh 
there's a lot going on in the world. It's summer. There's all these events going on. There's people that are kind of pulling you in all these different directions. There's my, you know, my career responsibilities. There's my podcasting responsibilities. So there's a lot of things going on, but I'm just trying to, you know, I've adopted the new mindset of you can think about trying to get rid of things or you can learn how to juggle things. You know what I mean? And like, those are two different lanes you can pick. Ultimately, I know I'm never going to be a person who is a, a, like an, a one task man. So for me, I'm just thinking, hey, you're single. You think getting a girlfriend is going to make life easier for you? No, it's going to be juggling more things. Get better at the act of juggling. You know what I mean? Like that is more of the skill set that I think I want to, you know, embody. Um, and those days where you're thinking about, should we, should we take a, like, you know, should we like, you know, take the podcast off your plate to maybe open up doors for more opportunities? It's like, well, what skill set am I developing there? Right? Like taking things off your plate isn't necessarily who I want to be. You know, I want to be someone who, can learn how to continue to be who I am and take on more responsibilities and learn that juggling and learn that's a little too much. There's too many balls right now to juggle, put maybe one down, but putting all of them down to focus on one ball to me seems like not the skills that I want to develop moving forward. So I'm really trying to find that harmony in that, you know, we talk about it in uh, that, the, 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 the balance podcast, what's the harmony in me? How many balls can I juggle and feel good about? And then when you add that one, you might have to think a little harder and try a little harder to juggle it and maintain it. But ultimately, you'll find that flow again. And then now four balls aren't even that hard. Like, I got it, you know. And I think that, like, you know, when you look at some of these, like, really, really big CEOs or all these things who are, like, doing so many things, like, you're like, how do you have time for all those things? It's they just added one responsibility at a time, juggled it, got good at it, and then they added more, you know. And um, if you want to have like kids and all of those things, like those things aren't going to make your life easier. <laughs> like they're only going to make your life harder. So you might as well get good at juggling things. So um, I'm embracing the challenges and the, the the managing of everything with the world opening up again. Right, we're getting all of some of those old things back into our lives and some of those mm -hmm. old responsibilities that you, you forgot you had um, and the ones that you love. And so just managing all of that and juggling all of that has been definitely, you know, uh, my challenges lately. Um, but I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling good about how I'm thinking about it all. So beautiful. Love that. And I think that's yeah. going to be a component, a larger component of today's conversation, too, is what you're kind of speaking about is leadership and leading yourself and leading your own life and figuring out what that means to you, which is uh, ironically actually not that common, um, which I find is pretty crazy. So I'm excited to have this conversation. Something that came up for me just before we get into it is you said this is a topic that you have always loved and you feel like you could talk about it and be a professor of and do a TED talk on. Where did that come from? What, what pulled you into leadership? Why is leadership such a big component in your life? Why do you love it so much? I mean, I don't think I'm ready to do a TED talk on it now or be a professor of it now, but <laughs> if I had to be, if I had to do a TED talk, I think I would pick this topic. And um, I think it's just, for me, it, it was, I was always attracted to the leader in the room of every room that I was in, you know, even from being a young kid, like, you know, for me, being a good basketball player wasn't good enough. It was how can I be the best leader as a basketball player or, you know, being a captain was very attractive to me at all stages of my life. Like being a young kid, being on the team wasn't what I wanted. It was like, I want to be the captain, you know, um, maybe it was also, you know, growing up as being the oldest in the, in the household, you know, the, the older sibling, you know, I adopted some of those like leadership qualities as like, you know, people are watching you. You're the first kid, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I embodied some of that, you know, DNA early of like, you're the first kid. So, you know, be, you know, make sure you do this and people are watching you. And then you have younger cousins and stuff. And uh, like a role model is a, you know, a title and a, um, you know, 
characteristic trait that I was attracted to at, a, at an early age, you know? So I think for me, anytime I kind of, you know, I embodied those feelings and then anytime I entered the room, I always try to find the leader in the room. I'm like, who's the leader in this room? You know, and then I watched them like obsessively. I would watch how they acted and, you know, very, very, you know, I would say in my teens and in, you know, early university days, I got to the point where I was a very, because I had watched so many leaders, I got to the point where I was starting to like decipher them too. Like who's good, who's bad. You know, I started to realize that just because you have a title doesn't mean that you're good or bad at this thing. Like, you know, and then why do people become leaders, right? I noticed very quickly too, when I got older, that sports leadership looks different than like leadership in the real world right mm. sports leadership to me at the time was you know and i felt i felt victim to this where you know i let who i was as an athlete my skill level dictate my leadership level it was like you need to listen to me because i'm better than you like like i'm better than you at this sport i play more minutes i'm i'm a better basketball player than you so therefore like how you perceive the game isn't as good as how i perceive the game so like listen to me and we'll win you know what I mean? And that, and, and just follow me. Like it was like a very much like a, a, a power dominance type of leadership style. And it like for the longest time, it worked. There would be kids on your team who they were like, he's better than me. So I have to listen to him. Right. It just, the power structure was kind of there. And then you get older and it's just like, you realize even within high school, even within like, you know, I would be getting technicals out of games. I would be getting kicked out of games. Cause I didn't, I didn't think my actions had consequences. You know what I mean? I was just like, I'm the best. I'm the best. I'm the good player. I'm going to play tomorrow, whether I get kicked out of this game or not. You know what I mean? So I would just act how I wanted to act without the, the responsibility of being like, my actions have consequences. People are watching you. You know, mm -hmm. if you're, if you're doing this now, your teammates going to be like, Anwar got kicked out of a game last week. I can get kicked out of this game too. Like if our leader got kicked out of the game, who cares? Right. right? And then you realize the, what is the responsibility? And so I think, you know, in grade, you know, nine and 10, I was learning that, you know, just being a good enough athlete wasn't good enough. And to win, you needed to have like a, you know, a team. And how are you contributing to the chemistry of everyone coming together versus the diversity of everyone falling apart? Mm. You know, and that was like a shift that I had to make. And um, in grade, I guess it was like grade 11. Um, the coach that I had at that time wasn't maybe my favorite basketball coach, but he was my favorite, you know, like self-awareness coach. Like he's the first person who just like, it was almost like, I was like, you're going to bench me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're going to sit me out. Like, it was almost like he was just like, I don't care. You're, you're, you're in your own way right now. And you're going to hate me right now, but you'll appreciate me later type of thing. And by the time I got to grade 12, I realized what type of leader I needed to be, what type of like how I needed to be followed and followed in the right ways, not just because of my skills, but how I carried myself as a person. Um, and then that year we won a championship. So it's, you know, for me, it's like when I follow the universe, it's like, okay, these are the times we were losing. These are the times that we were winning. And, you know, what personality, who was I in those moments? You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. um, I think what I'm fascinated about now is how do I carry those sports qualities I had into the real world? Because it's a completely different leadership world out here, you know? Right. That's why I think it's, it's very different. You know, leading a business and leading a family are different. <laughs> like as much as you can't just bring your, what, what, what skills you use in your business. You're like, well, I've built this kind of business with this leadership style. It's like, well, your kid doesn't care about that. Or mm -hmm. your wife doesn't care about that. You know? So I feel you need to be a different leader in all these different buckets. And I like finding where the interwoven areas are, you know, mm. what leadership from sport can you carry into business? What leadership from business can you carry into family? And how are you seeing them as different leaders, you know, and how do you, put on the leader hat for this, put on the leader hat for that and diversify your leadership skills. You know, I don't think that there's very much like, you know, I think there's a lot of literature out there, but sometimes it just paints a leader as like a one trick pony. And I don't think it's a one trick pony. And that's why I think it's a very fascinating topic in general. So mm.
I love that. I love that. And for everyone that knows Anwar and for those that don't, I don't know if you've noticed, but Anwar always has a basketball reference. So anytime I ask him a question, <laughs> what's your experience with this? Or what are your thoughts on that? He's like, you know, I imagine it like being on the basketball court. Uh, I imagine it being, <laughs> and it's the best. It's the best. I love it because it, you know, even if you don't necessarily understand sports, right? At some level, I feel like some people understand NBA uh, and have watched it, so they can relate on some level. Uh, but I just I enjoy that it's always related to basketball for you because it not only shows like your knowledge of basketball, but how much basketball impacted your life and how much you love the damn sport and how much it did teach you. And I think a lot of people look at sports sometimes and they're like, wow, like, wow, rah, rah, sports, rah, sports. And you're like, no, that's not the point though. And what you beautifully articulate is like, that's not the point. It's not just a sport. Like mm -hmm. how many life lessons Anwar has learned from sport is mm -hmm. insane. And so I think that it's just, it's beautiful. And I joke and I poke fun because I think it's hilarious. But at the same time, like there's so much value, so much value. Yeah, I think I think for me, I'm like, when I worked at Lululemon, one of the leaders there told me, they were like, Anwar, you have great examples, you have great metaphors, you have all of this. But at the time I was working with a, a very female populated, you know, um, group, it was like, I was the only guy with like all these, you know, uh, all these females. And they were like, you need to diversify your examples. Uh, mm. And it was the first time I, you know, I understood that, okay, maybe I'd be, maybe I'm talking out of one space a little bit too much. But um, the reason why I continue to do it is because if I'm talking from personal experience, I'm not going to make up something for this audience. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to mm -hmm. pretend. I learned those lessons through the game of basketball, you know, now, if I want to give you an example to bring you along the road, I can diversify kind of how I use those examples. But anytime I go to a personal place or, you know, something that's like deeply rooted in, in me, in my core, it's often going to come from a place of, you know, sports or basketball, because that was really my teacher when no one was teaching me anything. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Love it. And this is not your fault. I'm just going to backtrack quickly. What he meant was woman not female. We're working on our own language, right. woman, woman, not female. We had, I think we had a conversation about that one of our last episodes and I'm still catching myself doing it too. Cause it's just a, it just, it, it's, I don't want to call it traditional cause it makes it seem like it's an excuse, but um, yeah, he meant he works with a lot of women. Um, I work with I just, a lot of women. Yeah, exactly. I caught, I caught that. I caught that shift. Good language shift. Good language shift. Beautiful. My friends, Let's talk about mental health and the sponsor of this podcast. This episode is sponsored by Tether, a peer-enabled mental health and well-being platform for men. Tether helps men find meaning and purpose through community, accountability pods, and a 24-7 support network. Tether invites us all to be a part of changing the face of masculinity and letting every man know that struggling and vulnerability doesn't make you any less of a man. It simply makes you human. And for me, I've had a lot of personal experience with this app. I've used it many times. I've shared a lot of vulnerable moments. I've shared some strength moments, some exciting moments. The app is open for everyone to simply just share. And like I said in the introduction, a peer-enabled space where we're supporting each other without any pressure to fix, just simply to honor each other's journey. They also just added in a conscious content section where they're sharing podcasts, they're sharing blog posts. It is a really powerful space. So we really want to implore you and encourage you to download it from the app and Google store. It is Tether, T-E-T-H-R, available on both app stores. Join the community. I promise you will not regret it. Uh, okay. So let's get into today's topic. So we talked at the beginning, we're going to have a conversation about self 
leadership and what self-leadership looks like. And as we got into this conversation, we came across a video on TikTok that I think just really speaks so well to this conversation. So I'm going to actually play that clip for y'all in this. Um, and it is, uh, what is his name? I think his name is Desi. Um, no, his name is not Desi. His name is the holistic mystic. Interesting. He's the holistic mystic, and he's going to share something from his experience with therapy. So here is the clip. One second. What was that flip of a switch moment that permanently changed your life or perspective? It was my first day in therapy, and my therapist said, you seem really well adjusted for someone who's never gone to therapy. Why are you here? And I said, I'm a good husband. I'm a good father. I'm a good friend. I'm a good employee. But I want to be great at all those things. And I feel like if I could be great at those by myself, I would have been by now. So I'm getting help. And she said, employee is someone you are for your job. Husband is someone you are for your wife. Father is someone you are for your son. And friend is someone you are for your friends. Who are you for yourself? Who are you outside of those roles? And then the waterworks happened. And I heard myself say, I'm not sure there's much of a person at the end of all that. And that was the beginning of me figuring out who I was at 30 something years old. Damn. That's exactly what I said when I first heard it. And that's exactly what I say every single time I hear it again. It's that moment where he makes the conversation shift and he says to himself, I'm not quite sure there's a person at the end of all of that. Mm. And that I think is why this conversation for us is so important. And I, I know that you kind of speak the same language with that as well is this idea of how many areas we as men uh, give ourselves away to. And when we come home to ourselves, there's no home left to come home to. And so I'm excited to have this conversation. So when you heard that video, what came up for you? Because I know this isn't the first time you heard it. We shared it earlier. How did that land for you? What came up? I mean, a lot of things come up when you hear that, right? It's a lot of like one being the reality love you know some of these some of these lives that are being lived um where we the reality is is that you know whether we know we're in that rat race or not sometimes you know there's that's why you know self-awareness is something that i preach so much is just being aware that that is the rat race that you're in you know and and, and getting that control back but it also just goes to show it's just it's 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 it's, it's almost like that is so normal you know what i mean it's normal it's a nor to me that that's it's such a normal rhetoric um i that feel sounds like, like the, the everyday family life right? Like right that just sounds like the the average person everyday man doing his thing going to work being a father being a husband being an employee being a friend like that just sounds like the everyday rhetoric like you said it's it's normal but then there's just so much pain in that too right because he ties it all up so nicely at the end there like it's like you're following along you're like yeah yeah of course yeah. And then it's like, I don't think there's very much person at the end of that. And you're like, Oh, yikes. Like that, that give yourself away type of lifestyle that, you know, a lot of us men find ourselves in that trap where we just give ourselves away to this, these titles, you know, and because we're often chasing them so hard that it doesn't even feel like we're giving ourselves away. It feels like it's actually a self-desire. It feels like it's mm. actually something that we're trying to, like we were fighting so hard for those titles. And so when we get them, we're kind of like, we forgot who, what we had to 
what we had to do to get those titles is give ourselves away to them. And then it's almost like too late, right? He mentions, he mentions the age at the end, which is to me very telling. It's like that age is probably different for everybody because that is the, that is whatever, when you achieved all of those things, right? Mm-hmm. And now you're like, who am I, right? So some of us, that number might be 39, it might be 42, but we're all in that same cycle. It's just, when are we going to realize that, you know, because once you get all of the things, it's once you start to like to, I guess, settle into your life, right? Like you're like, mm-hmm. I did it, I did it, I did it. Okay, who am I? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who am I then now? Because you know, for me like that, I'm, I'm, I'm 30, I'm 30 now. Right. So I'm single, like, you know, um, I'm at the beginning of my career, you know, so I'm still fighting for these things. Like I'm going to be, I'm going to be who I need to be to get those things for the next, however long. So my number might be 37 where I'm at that realization where that gentleman is at, where I'm like, who am I? Cause you forget mm. when you're chasing things. Right. And we get so good at chasing societal things, things that society puts importance on things that, you know, masculinity puts importance on things that, you know, your family or your pressures of the people that you're around put your, you know, um, um, success on. You chase those things for your whole entire life. And it's only once you get them that you start to realize what you have to give up to get them. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we're at the forefront of that. You have to give up yourself. Um, And what this speaks to, I think we had a conversation about this a while ago is uh, the, the idea that men's life ends at marriage and kids. And remember that conversation, right? right? That's what I feel like that video describes so well in another just different languaged way. And it really gives context for me too, because when we first said that statement, a man's life ends at marriage and kids and a woman's life begins. When I said that, and we had that conversation at first, I just didn't really like align with it fully, but it still kind of made sense. But I loved the conversation. And it was like, it felt like there was some truth there, but I felt like there was language missing. And now having this conversation and listening to that guy talk, it all kind of just starts to make sense because for him, he lost himself in the process. And like you said, there's a desire there. There is. And I think that for me, what that comes from is the, the societal creation of these roles and the praise that you get by achieving said accomplishments, X, Y, Z the praise you receive, not even just from your friends or your family, but from society. Society gives you the praise on some level to be like, you did a good job. You did what we wanted you to do. Great job. And in the process, you completely lose yourself. There is no you and you come home and you're like, okay, here, do this X, Y, Z. The thing that came up for me too, is this speaks to midlife crises. You know, those guys, those 40 year old, 50 year old guys who just buy the, the red Mustang or old Chevrolet because they're like, oh, I feel like I'm I'm finding myself again. And this is the things that I love. So they just go and buy all the things. And it's this huge thing and people make fun of it. But the reality of that is, is that's him finding himself again, because he hasn't been himself for 50 years, Mm -hmm. which is crazy to me. So what I loved you just depicted is like, maybe my number is 37. Maybe my number is 37 when those things start to be there. But the beautiful side is you're here now at 30, learning this and learning about what uh, you are and who you are and who you want to be. So that way you can make sure you don't lose it on the way Mm -hmm. to this space. And when you do get those things, you still know yourself. Right. Lots there. Tons there to unpackage. And something that, you know, I'm having a little uh, epiphany moment right now is just like, I did this my whole entire childhood. This give yourself away, like concept. 
to fit into whatever friend group I was trying to seek out at the time or whatever type of, you know, like click I was trying to become friends with and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I know from my own experience that when I, sometimes when I give myself away to whatever the environment is trying to, um, wants me to be, you achieve, but you never feel aligned. You know, it's like you get to benefit from whatever you are trying to achieve, but then it always happens once you're in there, you have to like, now you have to face who you are in the environment. And it's like, is it harder to hold the facade or is it easier to just get out of the environment, you know? And so for me, just knowing that I've felt that before, it's like, do I really want that moving forward in other areas of my life? As life gets more and more important, as commitments get more and more important. Like I wasn't that committed to a friend group when I was in elementary school. Like the commitment level there is very low, right? So you can be who you need to be. You might get, you're, you're going to move schools eventually. Things change, things shift. It's fine. But when you're using those type of skill sets, for example, giving yourself away, fitting into your environment, doing the best that you can, losing yourself in the process, when you now carry that over into a marriage, way more dangerous, way more of a, of a, of a problematic start to this, you know, this partnership, you know what I mean? Um, because it's a lot, there's a lot more commitment. There's a lot more responsibility involved. And so um, super, super cool, like, you know, understanding for, and in the in in modern masculinity fashion for us it's you know bringing bringing ideologies and you know problems and things that we think about into the podcast is great having a venting session about it is great why we wanted to start with that conversation is that what is the way to not give yourself away then right what is the solution to maybe being potentially a victim to those type of like mindsets, being in that same gentleman's position, saying those exact same words. How can you be proactive in not being another person that is feeling that way? You know what I mean? And to us, what we kind of come to the conclusion is, is that, and this is the trampoline of this conversation is self-leadership. You know, I think that self-leadership is definitely a way to get ahead of some of those problems, right? Because self-leadership implies that, you know, I'll give, an, I'll give an example here. Self-leadership to me is like, and I heard this, um, I think it was a YouTube video, but self-leadership to me is sometimes often perceived as selfish, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's a lot of people that kind of put those two things together, but self-leadership to me, a better example of that and the metaphor of that is like, you know, when you're in the airplane and they say, hey, put on your oxygen mask first and then put on the oxygen mask of whoever is beside you or whoever you're, To me, that is such a great representation of self-leadership is the idea that you're not just putting on masks for other people and letting yours just dangle there without any consciousness of like who you are, your safety or your health or your, you know, your responsibilities, things that you need for yourself. You put that one on first. Let's make sure that one is secure and is in place. And then now let's go and do all these other things, right? And to me, that is, you know, how to maybe potentially get ahead of this conversation of, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. I don't know who I am for myself. You know, what I hear there is I didn't put on my own mask. I, I didn't put on my own mask. I was so worried about putting on other people's masks. I don't even know. I don't know where I am in this all, in this, in this, in this life. And, you know, I don't know how that kind of lands for you, but what kind of comes up when you think, you know, of self-leadership um, within today's topic and today's discussion, I'll let you kind of take it, you know, wherever you kind of want to go. But um, what does self-leadership mean to you? And, you know, why do you think it's an important topic to talk about? Mm. Yeah, I think that there, I've learned so many lessons in this space because I have recognized so many areas that I gave myself away. And, you know, for me, I speak a lot about relationships and I speak a lot about my experience with relationships. And I think in relational 
speaking that language, it's so obvious reflecting and realizing where I gave myself away and where I wasn't true to myself and where I wasn't in alignment because of the ideology of happy wife, happy life. Right? We all know that one, happy mm-hmm. wife, happy life. And uh, just the, the subservient mindset that we get into in relationships, that is something that I always fell into. And it's such a big component of my past. So for me, the idea of self-leadership is a, a present struggle. It's a day, it's a in this moment struggle. And, you know, my partner and I have had many conversations about it and the realization that if you don't lead yourself, then the safety of her feeling like you'll lead the relationship and, and allow to be the, be the leader in that space won't be felt. So there's no, not going to be a polarity in the relationship and she's not going to feel necessarily fully safe. And uh, I say she in, in a hetero uh, relational way. And it's for me, it was a realization of like, Oh, if I'm, if I'm not entering into the space of what do I want for me and allowing that to be a space, then she won't feel that either. And we're just going to become a codependent enmeshed partnership. And that's the narrative of so many relationships. So I again, I speak so much from relational space in regards to self-leadership and where I gave myself away. Um, and then I guess on, outside of that, in the context of leading myself is uh, something that I recently recognized was that I was living a lot of my life in uh, to appease my mother. And she may not even know this yet, but and this isn't a knock on her because she did a beautiful job. Uh, the beautiful part about my experience, my past is that my mother had me when she was 15 years old. So she was a baby and to expect much from a 15 year old mother it, it is just not ideal. It's not realistic, 15 years old. And so what I recognized through the process of my growing up and navigating all that stuff is that whatever would allow that relationship, that, that bond, that, um, mother-son relationship to flourish, uh, whatever it took to make sure that that was beautiful and powerful um, and not strained is where I went. So I have a history of, as far as I can look back, recognizing that I was self-sacrificing. I was not self-leading because I was constantly trying to appease her. And then I had a moment of breakdown when I was 15 years old, where I realized that the burden was too heavy. And I expressed that to her and said, you know, I ruined your life. I took away your childhood. I, I, I took the blame. And of course she reassured me that it wasn't my fault because in reality it's not. And then I rebelled against this idea of appeasing her. And I, uh, I left the house. I moved out for, I think it was a month. I just moved in with a friend. I feel like some, most teenagers have some sort of experience like that where they either run away or they're like, I'm leaving. And they move out and they move in with their friends. Sometimes it lasts a weekend, you know, sometimes it lasts one night and they're like, okay, I'm ready to come home. Um, the, the beautiful of being a teenager, but I had that rebellious phase where I rebelled against this idea, but then I fell back into it again. And what that did was the reason I'm sharing that is because it leads into the space where I am now, where I'm still seeking to appease any relationship, whether it's a friendship or a actual intimate relationship or a working relationship. I'm looking to appease that a lot of the time out of fear of it not being there or losing it or straining the relationship. So I have lived a life of, um, I'm going to call it subserviency and not necessarily a full um, self-leadership. And an example of this is in this very moment, um, uh, or this morning, I microdosed some mushrooms and 
while that may not sound like a huge thing, it is for me because what it says is I'm leading my own life, regardless of how anybody else does things. And, you know, you and I have had many conversations about microdosing and about mushrooms. And for me, I never did them little to knowing to you because it wouldn't appease my mother because she wouldn't approve. And so at least that's how I felt. So I, anything that I feel like she wouldn't approve of, I wouldn't do. So I had to learn throughout my life is like, it doesn't, that, that to stop letting that control me and allow myself to lead myself, allow myself to make decisions that are just best for me in whatever capacity that looks like. But I was always following the rules and I was always being, you know, I hate saying it this way, but I was always being a good boy. Yeah. I was being a good boy to mommy. Yeah. And that's a hard realization to come to, but it's powerful because then you realize, whoa, hold on a second. I may not actually be the adult I think I am. Mm-hmm. I might still be an adolescent. And that's the transition of like, no, make your own decisions, do whatever you want. And I've done that. And I, I definitely feel like I've stepped into that, that masculine man adult space. Um, but the, the mushrooms is a beautiful example. It's just like, that's something that I wanted to do for me. I wanted to try, but I felt constrained and probably not as much as I thought about the fear of what would happen on them, but the fear of expressing that and it not being approved, mm-hmm. which isn't self-leadership. That's self-sacrifice. Right. No, I gave I, you a lot there. Yeah, you gave me a lot, but I, whew, that's so many. You're like, you're, you're ruffling feathers in my childhood too. Like it's, that is, you're doing a great job there of, you know, giving examples that aren't so clear to people, right? Like, that self-sacrifice isn't so clear as like, you know, um, always choosing what she wants to eat or always doing what your boss wants to do. Like, that's a very clear self-sacrifice. It's like, you know, you're always just submissive to whatever this person is doing and you're losing yourself. That one is like, cause you feel good in that moment. That self-sacrifice is like, you actually think it is a part of you. Like, 100%. You know, it's not separate. It's not like a self-sacrifice where I can feel it. It's like, no, 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 this is who I am, but it's so subconsciously controlled by something else. You know, and that's when I feel like the self-sacrifice is so far down the rabbit hole. I find that a lot of people in religion find themselves in this place, right? Mm. If you grow up in a religion for too long, it is who you are. And then you start making all these decisions that, but you can't answer a great way to understand if you are about the religion or not is why, why do you do that? If you don't know the answer, you're, you're a follower. You're just following. You don't Mm. have a, you don't have a self-diagnosed answer for why you're doing what you're doing. Therefore, are you actually religious? Or are you just following, mm. you know? And I think religion really takes a good grasp on you and it really allows you to, whether, and your religion could be whatever it is for you. It's, you know, if you got introduced to spirituality because you had that really cool friend that looked awesome and their life was great and you just started doing the practice that they did, but you weren't embodying it with your own interpretation, then are you that spiritual? Or are you spiritual? Are you religious? Are you any of these things? Because you're just following. Right. And, and the why question literally prompts, did you make a decision because of you or because someone said that that's what you're supposed to do? Exactly. Self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice. Right. And so, you know, I had a very similar story. I think I've shared it on the podcast before too. Is like, you know, when I first kind of moved out when I was 18, you know, I was carrying so much of like the family rules, the traditions that were me, but like, I wasn't, and I wasn't hundred percent making my own decisions. Right. And then the, the, I moved my environment. Now I'm like, you know, 18 years old, whatever family is gone there across the country. And 
I'm getting asked these questions and I remember answering them with like, you know, the family tree. Like, you know, I remember someone offering me, you know, weed and being like, hey, like, do you smoke? Do you want some weed? And I was like, no, 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 I don't do that. And I remember being on the bus ride home that night being like, I don't do that. Or do my family not do that? Or does my religion not do that? Like, you know, and I started being like, who's answering that question? Like, because I'm like, what, what's the consequence now if I did do that? Right? Like, if I do that now, who, who am I? Like, I was before scared to go home and be caught in an environment where, you know, I wasn't like, I wasn't trying things because I was worried about the perception, like you said, like what your mom thinks mm. or what your sisters think, or, you know, you're a leader. So like, if you did that, what are people going to perceive you as like, you know, and in that bus ride home, I really realized like, I'm like, oh, I better have an answer for my damn self for this question, mm-hmm. you know? And by the time I got home, I was like, oh, I don't smoke weed because I, I want to be the best basketball player I can be. And I don't want to jeopardize that, you know? And it was like the, any time after that, I answered the question. I was like, now nah, this is my answer. Boom. Like that's mm. Anwar's answer to this question. And then it was the beginning of me answering questions for myself. Like, because I always, every time I got met with those decision questions that I used to answer for the family or for the religion, it was like, no, no, no. What's your answer for this? And sometimes I'd be like, oh, I don't know. I don't, I've never done that in the past. Or, you know, I, I grew up really religious. So, you know, I never really considered it, but maybe I'll have a different answer for you tomorrow. And that's when I kind of started, like, that was the beginning of me starting to get buy into this self-leadership and this self-control of like my own decisions and my own thoughts. And so I resonated a lot with kind of what you were saying there. And I think that um, a lot of us sometimes are just walking to the beat of other people's drum. And we don't really have any idea of what our music sounds like or what your rhythm is or what your beat is because you're just... You know, and then if someone asked you, like, how'd you make that beat? You'd be like, I don't know, because it's somebody else's beat. Like, mm, this is, this is, yeah. I didn't make this. <laughs> like, this isn't my song. Like, I'm just jamming to it. Like, you know, because mm. it's a cool song because people like this song. You know what I mean? Because society likes this song. Um, so it's, it's, it's heavy, man. It's a lot to unpackage there, I think, for sure. And it's like, you really get control of your life, I think, when you start understanding, you start a- asking a lot of whys. But then a lot of the answers to your wives are actually like self-made answers, like mm-hmm. self-filled out answers. Um, and what you represented literally and physically is the power that comes with aligning your decisions with you. Like the initial response to the question was, no, I don't really do that. You know, like I don't really do weed. That's, or, and then you went into the question of why did you ask that? And then you came back to the equation and you're like, when I make the next decision, I'm going to be like, boom, like this is my decision. And the power that you just naturally brought because you felt it. You, you feel it when you make a decision that's aligned with yourself, there's not resistance in your body. There's, there's power, there's empowerment, there's motivation, there's energy. And you feel that in the alignment. And that's what I think is a beautiful representation for anybody who is listening is when you make a decision that is true to you, the resistance subsides. But if you're leading into the space of making a decision that is not aligned with you, that is where the resistance will build. And you'll feel the physical tenseness because your body will say no, but you're trying to teach, you're trying to tell the body yes, or vice versa, right? You're trying to tell the body something different when the reality is the body is telling you the answer because the body is the intuition. The body knows. The body is a representation of the decisions that you make, which is why so many of us get sick because we're self-sacrificing. And the body is taking the hits, but I don't want to steer too far off that route. I want to come back to what you just said is self-leadership says I'm my own voice. And the most powerful thing that you said in that space for me was when you speak, it's your voice, but it's not your words. It's not your voice. 
it's not your language. It's, it's, is it your mom's? Is your mom talking right now? Is your dad talking right now? Is your uncle, like who's talking right? Is your grandfather talking right? Is it your voice? And I love that analogy so much is who is talking? Cause it's not me. That I think that reflection, that self-awareness that leads to self-leadership, like no, nothing of nothing else. Cause then you, everything you say out loud is, is this what my mother would say? Is this what my, my tyrant father would say? Is this what my emotionally manipulative mother would say? You know, like, and that's not a personal attack. Is that what they would say? Mm-hmm. And if that's what they would say, then that's not you. That's them. Mm-hmm. So separating that and a beautiful way to uh, a- analyze it is thinking about zooming out. I feel like the zoom out concept, I just recently learned, I know it sounds simple, but if you zoom out from the process, imagine like you're looking at a map and you can only see like one restaurant, right? But you can't see the whole city. Well, you want to understand how to get to the restaurant. So you need to zoom out to see the streets, to see right. the map, to see how to get there. And that's what I think is beautiful is, um, you know, you can't see the label if you're stuck inside the jar. So it's time to get out of the jar. Okay. Take yourself out of the jar and right. And you can see, oh, this is, you know, cardamom. This is basil. This is, this is chili flakes, right? What is the jar? Um, And so many of us, and I know for me in my past too, have been just stuck inside the jar of somebody else's story and somebody else's idea. And that doesn't sound like a lot of freedom, does it? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Damn. What an analogy. I like that. You know, I'm an analogy guy. So I know there you go. There you go. I, so, I like, I like hitting you back with analogies. Cause there's yeah. something I get the energy. I feel like, yes, I nailed it. Yes. There, there I'm you learning. Go. There you go. There you go. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Um, what's the one thing that you said there, um, that I want to kind of get back to and maybe we'll even throw you back a question because, you know, we're kind of painting a picture of self-leadership is it's a lot more complicated than a one trick thing, right? Like self-leadership, yes. there's a lot more, there's a lot more complexity within it, right? We've now covered a great section of self-leadership is like, who is the, who's the voice, like who's speaking, right? And, 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 and guiding that, you know, um, finding the self voice. Right. Um, but then how do we translate that to kind of like, you know, um, self-care which is you know the big thing that's going on right now right like it's you know i think that we're going through an era now where mental health is getting a lot more awareness um the 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 emphasis on putting that mask on for yourself is getting louder it's getting louder like you know the self-care we even had a bit of the the podcast where it's like is there too much self-care right now in the media like is it is are we gone too far down that path how do you think self-leadership, because I know you have a great, you know, routine habit, like, you know, you're very in the, um, you know, self-care space. Um, how do you think self-leadership contributes to a high level of self-care? Or do you think, do you see those two as being compatible? Do you think that those two go hand in hand? Because the guy on the bus who was finding out answers to how to deal with the world and find a self-voice, self-care is a like there's nobody around for that. It's just you. Right. So how, where's the parallels for you between, you know, self-leadership and self-care? I think they're directly correlated. Like you said, I think that there is a element of understanding for me, at least that's how it kind of began, began with me where uh, I didn't realize I was self-leading or I was in the space of self-leadership. I was just self-caring. I was, Mm -hmm. and self-caring looked like 
the disciplines that I had, right? The routines, the habits, the structures, because I wasn't doing those for other people. They was a beautiful repercussion that I was better able to serve them because of this, but me waking up and doing a cold shower is not for anybody else. That's for me. And getting into that habit and routine put me in a space of leading myself and making decisions for myself. And then, you know what, it's funny, relationships again are such a beautiful mirror where you get into a relationship and you stop having the cold showers because you're like, well, I'm not gonna go take a cold shower because my partner's here. So I'm not gonna keep up with those kinds of things. We get lost in those habits and I've already been faced with that a little bit of what that looks like. And am I already self-sacrificing? Because that's what I feel like I'm supposed to do in a relational space or a co-working space or whatever. Am I already doing that um, in the earliest stages of it? And just opening up myself up to that. But I think self-care is, is such a necessity. But even if you just take um, a great way to, to posit it, the language is if you look at the terms, you know, self-leadership and self-care, right? In that, there's two components. There's self and then there's the other word, right? Mm. If you just take leadership right? Just the word leadership. Leadership means go do this and this and this and everywhere else. But there's a reason why we don't say leadership self. And we say self leadership. Because the word self comes before the word leadership. So there's literally a phrasing, a, a, a positing of the word self has to come before the word in order for the word to be its fullest expression. So self leadership gets fully expressed as leadership in other areas. Self care, putting self before care says the care will then improve further. But if you just have care, right? Care means I care for my family. I care for my friends. I care for my work. I care for X, Y, Z, like the video said, but then we have to make sure that we understand it's not care. And then self, not care, self it's self care comes first. So I think at any component, right, you talked about the idea of selfish um, earlier and the reality of it is, is sure, if you don't want to use the word, don't use it, but that's the truth of it. Mm -hmm. The truth of it is you need to be. The truth of it is selfish means aligning with your own views, your own values, your own opinions. It just simply means being yourself. If you don't want to call it selfish, that's fine. Just say self, I'm being myself and that's fine too. But as long as you understand that that's a necessity, so self-care for me comes into self-discipline comes into self-love um and again you notice again self-love right to love better into the world it's always first and so self-care for me looked like morning routine it looked like night routine it looked like praising myself it looked like um expressing gratitude meditating breath work uh, recognizing my it, it looked like all of those things because all of those things allowed me to make the decisions better in the world and then how self-care translate, translates into self-leadership for me um, is the more you care uh, about yourself, obviously, the more that you can care for others, which essentially means leading in whatever capacity that looks like. So self-care can directly lead into leadership. And that's just the, the route I feel. I think that's a beautiful beginning. A beautiful beginning is self-care. And I think what's, what's a struggle for some men out there that I've talked to is they feel like self-care is reserved for women. Right. So that and I think society creates that image, too, because of salons and spas and treatments and all these things. They think that self-care is reserved for women. The most powerful thing I saw the other day in Calgary was that literally a, a sign that said spa for men. Mm -hmm. 
And I was like, spa for men, what the hell that exists? Yeah, because yeah, right. What I got from that was men won't do things unless it's said that it's for them. Otherwise it's for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so like a spa doesn't say spa for women all the time. It just says spa, but we're still not there, right? We're still not willing to go, you know, a pedicure, a nail place, uh, whatever it is, doesn't say for men. It just, right. it just says nail salon. And you're like, no, that sounds like a woman thing. And you're not, we don't do it. But in the reality of it is like, if that said pedicures for men, men would be all over that. Because pedicures are great to be to be real, right? We've all had one at some point. Pedicures are great. Oh, they're the best. Right. So if it's I, space- I, lever- I leverage my sisters to get into those spaces. I'm yeah. like, you guys are going, oh, you guys are going for a pedicure? See? Hey, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I can't say with my chest that I'm like, I'm going to go for a pedicure by myself. But when that door opens with my sisters or my cousins, I'm in there. Like I'm sliding right. in there. And I feel more comfortable in the chair because I'm like, I'm here with my sisters. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. I'm chilling, but yeah, go on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Such a great point, right? That's such a great real life depiction is like, we don't do those things unless if there's a woman involved because self-care has been designed for women. So we're just a tag along. Sometimes we're just, we get to reap the, the, the beautifulness, the beautifulness, the beautifulness of like going to the spa because spas are great right? Or going to get a pedicure because pedicures are great. We get to reap the benefits if we go. But if that said that this space was for men, then all of a sudden we'd be like, we'd go, let's go. Which actually speaks to barbershops, mm-hmm. right? Instead of hair salons, hair salons are women, barbershops are men, right? But if you just said this space does haircuts, you probably wouldn't feel as inclined to go because it's not a barber shop because it's not for men. So I just think that the idea of self-care is, uh, just tough sometimes. And I know it was for me too. And so just getting through those, those restrictions. And again, being like, whose voice is this in the self-care space? Whose voice is this? If I'm not going to go to do these things, whose voice is speaking. Um, And at the end of the day, if you can't care for yourself, then you can't care for others. And I was just talking to my partner about this. And she said, it can be felt. If you're not caring for yourself, if you're not leading for yourself, it's in the way you speak is being felt. The energy that you carry with your words is being felt. So if you're not leading yourself, they know. And while that sounds like pressure, I think what that really for me is, is just a reality check. It's just bringing the truth. It's bringing the ownership that so many men love and thrive off of. This is, it's an ownership check. It's a responsibility check. Are you leading yourself? And if you're not, it, it is felt. They know what's going on. They know the energy that comes with unfortunately your lies. Um, and so that's, I think there's a beautiful, um, maybe even transition to is just knowing that like self-leadership can potentially look, um, if you don't put the self in front can look like self-sacrifice can feel like Mm self-sacrifice because you're not even speaking the facts of what is actually happening in your life. That you're right now. I'm just like, I was just in lust of just like listening there. Like it's cause one, your ability to now like that whole rip there just even you know um i'm gonna share some gratitude here it's like you're you just went through like the classic kyle of like you know language great language transition shifting showing all the languages and then you brought like real life examples like the hair salon the spa like where it's like showing up in real places with real emotion um and like i think you just did such a great job of and, and i think also um when you were talking there what came up for me is that Self-care companies have identified that men won't buy something if it doesn't say for men on it. 
Dove went through a huge transition of saying, hey, how do we get men to buy like self-care products like soaps, shampoos? And they're like, oh, let's make a four men line. Let's just put, let's just take the products we've been using and just slap four men. And now men are just buying because it's like, there's that association of, oh, this is a man's thing. I'm going to now buy this because it says four men. Change the smell and everyone's like, whoa, this is for men? What? But you, you said something in there that I don't think a lot of people realize is that it's the same product. Same product. Same product. Honestly, it might even be better to buy the one that doesn't say anything. It just, it just is what it is because it might actually even be better because there's less additives, you know? It's hilarious. It's it hilarious. hilarious. The, 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 the parallels of like, you know, our, our resistance to like taking care of ourselves. You know what I mean? Um, and there's a lot of men that you'll meet that when they get into relationships, they start to learn so much from their partner of like skincare routines and like right. all this, like so many guys who start do taking care of themselves, follow how that process happened. It's a lot, it's led by a, a female or a woman a lot of the times, right? A lot of the time there's a woman behind that man getting better at taking care of themselves and recognizing some of the, the lotions to be putting on your face and all of that stuff, because it's just not, we're so much in the grind, right? A lot of the, um, this, uh, the, the accomplishments and the successes that we are trying to achieve don't come from a place of taking care of yourself. It comes from a place of like, like testing yourself to your with end, you know? Um, there is uh, something that I read here, you know, it says people who understand the importance of self-leadership are truly self-aware and make great managers, entrepreneurs, and mentors. That's how they sell self-leadership to men is if you, if you can lead yourself, you will be a great manager, a great entrepreneur, and a great mentor. And now if I'm a man and I read that, I'm like, yeah, I want that. I need more of that in my life because I'm trying to be an entrepreneur. I'm trying to be a manager. I'm trying to be a mentor. Like I want to be these things. But now if you take self-leadership and you were like, you know, say, you know, let's change this whole sentence structure. People who understand the importance of self-leadership are truly self-aware, self-discipline, and are truly self-aware and make great, you know, um, let's change it to um, self-esteem, great self-care, great, like different words that maybe now pull you into like a different space that are very important, but maybe energetically you feel like that's more of a feminist space, then now maybe this thing doesn't land for you. Now you take self-leadership and you go, I want to be a self-leader for the entrepreneurial side of things, for the manager side of things, and for the mentor side of things, not for the self-care side of things. For the, for the self-esteem side of things, for the, like, you know, but the, it's important in both buckets. Like, it's important to understand that self-leadership is not just a, something you embody to achieve X, Y, Z. It's something to mm. embody to, especially, I think it's almost like a detriment to the word, if you think about it. If you are embodying self-leadership to just become more for other people, then you've actually kind of missed the point of the self-leadership thing. Like, the self-leadership thing is like, you know, making sure you take care of yourself. You know, I'd almost argue that it's actually more in, on this side than it is that side. Like, I actually didn't resonate with this at all. I was like, oh, wow, you're using self-leadership to depict management and, and entrepreneurship and mentorship. Like, that's mm. what you're using. I'm like, that is that is the problem. Like, right. that, that doesn't help the person that was like, speaking to that psychiatrist earlier. Like, you know what I mean? How does that help that person? Like, he's wondering, who am I at the end of it? Like, what is that this? literally speaks to fill more roles. Fill more roles. Being Be a mentor more. is a role. A manager is a role. Entrepreneur is a role. All of these are roles. Again, self-sacrifice. But do you need the self-leadership to be good for those roles? Absolutely. 
hundred percent. You do need this. There is truth in what's being said here. hundred percent. You know, if you want to be a good entrepreneur, you do need to take care of yourself. Like if you want to be a good manager, you do need to have self-leadership. Like you have to lead yourself, be wanting, want the desire to be followed um, and then carry yourself to like a high standard. And ultimately people will, you know, there's nothing worse than being led by somebody who doesn't lead themselves. You know what I mean? That's when I, I often find a little just a position when I hear somebody, uh, often people say like, you know, what are your you know, pet peeves and character traits is someone who like demands something of you that doesn't do it themselves. Right. That is like one of the, I, I hate that to wit's end because it's like, be, be what you're speaking, you know? Um, and sometimes leaders, like they know the right things to say, but they're not that yet, you know? Um, and so I think that, you know, this does a great job of putting those type of leaders in line of like, Hey, lead yourself and then go and lead that group. You know what I mean? Mm. But what this, what this screams to me is it's the, it's, it, it screams more of the problem, not any of the solution. Like it's, mm. it's, it's, it's taking self-leadership and putting it in a context that just still is filling roles. It still is serving others to a high level. And um, it almost makes you get more into the rat race than it is to pull you out, to zoom out of the rat race, to kind of see what else makes you. And then, you know, um, but some words that I want to add to this conversation, you know, like I think self-leadership is kind of like, you know, the big, the big ticket topic. And then when you pull it down and you go into these subtopics, I think it bleeds out into self-awareness, right? Mm. Um, it bleeds out into self-discipline. It bleeds out into self-reflection. Um, it bleeds out into emotional intelligence, you know, being able to, you know, take self-awareness, being able to be self-aware of your own emotions and who you are as a person will only allow you to now come out and, you know, absorb other things with a lot more intention and a lot more, um, you know, alignment. I think at the core of it, you know, one of the definitions that I kind of read and I really aligned with is that self-leadership is the practice of intentionally influencing your thinking, your feeling, and your actions towards you know, achieving something that you want, you know, towards getting, getting the things that you want to manifest in your life towards, you know, serving the universe, serving others, all of those things. But it's, it's the practice of intentional thinking, right? You, what are you thinking? Feeling, what are you feeling? And how are you acting towards the things that you want? You know, and that kind of just kind of embodies that, what is your voice? You know, what is your why? You know, like if you're feeling, if, if you think about that sentence structure, if you're feeling something that's, you know, hurting you, how are you carrying yourself in that space now? You know, like, and, you know, like, I know that that kind of got lost in you. I'll, I'll, I'll break it down. So it's if, you know, you, self-leadership is the practice of intentional influencing of your thinking and feeling. If we stay at the feeling and in your life, you are miserable, but you're serving, Right intentional practice of understanding how you're feeling in that moment would say, go take care of yourself. Right. And now get back to the action of getting what you want. Right. But if, if, if you're, how you're thinking, how you're feeling, how you're acting is all in line towards what you're getting, then everything you are is in line to what you're getting. Right. Like everything I am is in line. But when you go through that process and you come out with, I hate how I'm feeling. I hate how I'm acting. I don't like how I'm thinking. Well, now that feels like you need to do more self-care, more self-work, like more self-work to get back to getting those three things to be more synergetically in line and then go back to achieving what you want to achieve, you know? Um, and I think a lot of us are, you know, going through the, that checklist and we're coming out with things that are not aligned with us, that are not serving us, that aren't helping us, but they're helping our external 
And we're just living in that. We're like, I, I don't care how I'm thinking or how I'm feeling or how I'm acting, but it's getting the job done. So we're just going to keep doing it. 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 Um, and the one word I love in that, you know, that whole entire thing was intentional. Intentional, right? Not, not like, how are you thinking? Like just to think, you know, how are you intentionally thinking? How are you feeling intentionally? How are you intentionally acting on the things that you want to achieve? Um, and that was just kind of something that, you know, I, I felt really aligned with, you know, in some of the readings and stuff that I was doing. Um, mm -hmm, absolutely. And the question that came through for me when you were asking that is, are you overly focused on proving your worth to others before you proving your worth to yourself? I think that question expresses what you were talking about because we're so busy proving our worth to the world and we never understand what proving ourselves to ourselves look like. Right. What is, what is, what does when I accomplish something that's enough for me? Why does it always have to be enough for somebody else? Right. If we're constantly trying to appease the worthiness of other people, um, we're getting a little lost. So again, we're self-sacrificing and a, a beautiful expression that I've been sharing with some people lately in my life is uh, it's not your responsibility to have other people accept you. It's your responsibility to accept yourself. Oh, and in the responsibility of accepting yourself, you feel the power of alignment and the fullest authentic expression. And I know in a world that we live in right now, whether you're a man or a woman or whatever you're choosing to identify with, that for me, that statement aligns with all levels. It's, you know, we're so busy uh, trying to express and, and be authentic, but we're so worried about making sure that they're good with it mm -hmm. and that they're okay with it and that they don't feel like it's an attack on them. Like we're so worried about that and I get it because I'm in it. I do it all the time. And you know, my partner mirrors that back to me all the time. Uh, and there's a disrespectful way and a respectful way, of course, about going about that. We don't want to blur the lines here. You're not just like rah, 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 me, 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 rah, rah, rah. Like you're not being that you are still leading with the understanding that there are other people involved. But when you're expressing yourself in those ways, um, it's very much just the idea of just accepting yourself, knowing this is my truth. This, what I'm saying here is my truth. And my truth doesn't need to be your truth. It can just be my truth. And that is okay. We don't need to align in this truth because the reality of it is how often do we really align fully in somebody else's truth? Not often mm -mm. because it's not our experience. I don't have your traumas. I don't have your wounds. I don't have your relationship experience. I don't have your work experience. So you're trying to tell me your truth. And I'm like, mm, okay, cool. That sounds like it would be tough. But over here, I'm like, I could perceive that as easy, let's say, right? But that's not my, that's not your truth. That's just what I feel, but I'm not in it. So the, the accepting of, I think is just a beautiful space. It's just accepting that, you know, not everyone's going to be okay with the decisions that you make for yourself. And I share this. Uh, on a grander context, because we're just so busy appeasing other people's lives and other people's opinions and beliefs and societal. And I think that the statement says, um, it's not your job to make society approve of your decisions, or your parents or your partner, right? It's about you accepting that. And if you can accept your decisions, then you're living in your fullest expression as a man, then you're living fully and authentically. And that's what the world needs more of. The world needs more of people who are willing to stand in that truth, to align with that fullest expression, to stop self-sacrificing, to appease the approval of others. And we all do it, whether you're a man or a woman, at some point we're taught to stop being yourself. As men, at, right at the beginning, we're taught stop feeling your emotions. 
that in and of itself is telling you to stop being yourself. Stop being who you are. Don't do that. Be something else for other people. Women do get the same thing. They say, make sure that you are a specific way for others. So then they like you. Mm. So again, give up your needs, self-sacrifice. So then they're giving themselves away. So no one, we're living in a world full of unaligned people of, of unfortunately, the idea of, of being fake is much more than just being Instagram, you know, Instagrammable. It's much more than that. It's, it's much more about even with your friends, you know, where are you self-sacrificing? Is this your truth? If you don't want to eat there, don't eat there. Right. Um, and I think that it's, 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 it just aligned with me so well. And so I just wanted to make sure that that statement landed. And again, are you trying to prove your worth to others um, rather than prove your worth to yourself? I'm going to share a bit of a, of, of a, of a vulnerable moment to kind of, you know, hopefully bring that all together is, um, you know, I've had the fortunate experience of getting to a place where I was so alone that self self leadership was the only way out. Mm. Right. And I know that I call that a unique, uh, unique experience because I don't think that everyone, you know, gets that. I don't know. I don't want anyone to, you know, get that experience because it's, it was almost what I needed to understand that at the end of the day, I need to depend on myself, you know, because I was so caught up in the rat race of figuring out who I needed to be for other people that I really lost who I was as a person. And when you hit the bottom of that, when you hit the bottom of that, there is, it's very apparent that there's only one way back to the top. There's only one way to get out of that, that head frame that, and it's no one can help you in that place. Nobody. There's not a single person that can help you, but yourself, you know, and it's, it was almost like self-leadership became so apparent to me in a very gruesome way. Um, that you need to, it was the value that I put on self-leadership is from a place of not just like, it's like, I had to, I was literally, it was, it was the lifeline at the point. It was, it was the only way I was going to get out of that, you know, headspace. And, you know, for those of who haven't listened to other podcasts, you know, I had a, a chapter where, you know, of my life where I was really down and out and I was down bad. And, um, you know, I was dealing with a lot of, you know, the, depressing thoughts and a lot of, um, you know, thoughts that, you know, weren't serving me, weren't helping me. And they, they started stacking onto each other and they put me into a, um, a negative thought process, a negative life cycle and a chapter of my life where I just, you know, would have rather just not have been a part of this life anymore. You know, I just, it was too exhausting to kind of carry the torch of life and the challenges of it and the struggles of it. Um, but the comeback story of, you know, getting out of that, I can, confidently say 95% of that journey back was me understanding self-leadership and me understanding that, Hey, you're going to have to cheer yourself on through here. No one can get you through this, but you, it's only you, you need to be your own cheerleader. And it was a weird position to be in, to be the coach and the player at the same time, you know, and a lot of people can't, it's hard to do those two things simultaneously. It's hard to cheer for yourself and also try to get yourself out of something at the exact same time. Cause you're just the same person. Right. Um, but 
oftentimes, you know, if someone, you know, wants to talk about that, you know, time in my life or, you know, is looking for, um, you know, me to share more on that, it's, you know, self-leadership was the way I got out of that, you know, and understanding who I was, finding the discipline to do the things that I didn't want to do, even though I knew that I had to do them to get myself out of that, that rabbit hole, get myself out of those negative thoughts, you know, the self-awareness, understand what I was going through. The first part of that whole entire journey was understand that, oh, you are depressed, you are not yourself. You are depressed. You are, you are not showing up how you want to show up. Okay. I understand that. But who, who are you though? And who do you want to be? And what can we do every single day to slowly start getting you out of that trajectory? Um, you know, what was when I was reflecting on how I was feeling, why are you feeling those ways? Like, you know, just really trying to pull yourself out. And what I realized is that like, sometimes when you go through even yourself, you know, when we talked about, you know, when you're, when you're a serial dater, for example, how much time are you spending with yourself, right? It's like you just latch on to the next job, latch on to the next thing. And, you you know, mm-hmm. a lot of us don't spend enough time alone to even get to a point where we value self-leadership. Because if you've never had to depend on yourself, then when did you ever value self-leadership? You know, right. if you've never been, you know, if you've never had the experience of, you know, being so isolated that, you know, you actually could only depend on yourself to get through to the next the next thing. Um, then you might struggle with understanding the value of self-leadership, um, the value of self-awareness. Um, but what we're saying as a precursor, what we're saying, what I'm saying as, you know, being proactive is that a lot of these people who, when they talk about, you know, their mental health fading in the distance, um, a lot of these people who they're talking about having suicidal ideation, it's the trajectory of getting alone, right? It's like, don't 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 wait to understand self-leadership to when the point you're at the bottom it's because if you want to now learn self-leadership understand that you're not your best self already it's hard to like now you know if you didn't ever have a self-care routine if you never had those things in place and then you start to ascend into this very lonely space where now your mental health is fading you don't want to talk to people you know if you don't have anything to attach to if you never valued self-leadership before you never valued self-awareness before you know it, it will be harder to come back up, you know, it will be harder to, you know, build yourself back up because you actually have no idea who you are, you know what I mean? So you don't even know what you're seeking. But if you can start doing the work now to understand who you are and, you know, what you align with and what your self-care practice looks like and, you know, finding that synergetic center for yourself and, you know, if life, because life will get crazy, always it does, at least you'll know a bit about yourself to kind of like leverage and pull yourself back out. You know, you'll know yourself a little bit more and you'll have a little bit more self-leadership and be like, I remember that. I remember when I was studying and I was doing this, you know, it's often why when I talk to you about journaling, it's like, I want to journal good, bad, or ugly, because if I get to those places, I want to be able to go back and reflect on, okay, when it was good, what was I doing? Mm. You know, and how do I get back to that? Or when it was bad, what was going on? And how do I eliminate more of those things? You know, just that practice of like, you know, not going into this exam of life, just always just like, uh, I don't know. You know, let's have a little preparation for this, like, you know, this test of life. And I think that that preparation, sometimes I was forced to have to do it. Um, and then sometimes you can do it proactively. And I just think that, you know, a good thing for men to just do intentionally nowadays is just, let's just be proactive, man. Let's just be proactive of trying to get ahead of some of the, the problems that we face. We did that top five regrets of the dying. And you guys heard that list. A lot of that was, you know, things that men embody every single day. You know what I mean? And it's like the proactive work of, you know, making sure that you're not saying those same things on your deathbed is the work that you need to do now 
which is, you know, to get ahead of those problems, not when they come to us, you know, and um, I think that like in my most depressed state, in my most um, hardest times, self-leadership was how I found my way out. And self-leadership was what I leveraged to pull myself out of that, 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 that negative space. Mm. So I put a crazy amount of emphasis and, you know, um, importance on the idea of understanding self-leadership. Um, because I do think that, you know, if you can really understand it, you'll be able to pull yourself through challenges and struggles with a lot more finesse and a lot more, um, I think I would say, you know, what would be a good word? A lot more finesse and a lot more um, hope and optimism, you know, because in those times of, in those times of challenge, you, your, your hope starts to waver, your faith starts to waver, everything starts to waver. But when you have that self cheerleader in you, when you got that self hype man or hype woman in you, and you understand that self-leadership, you still got somebody cheering for you even when you're not cheering for yourself. Um, and so I think it's important to understand. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And a beautiful thing I just want to extend off that is just, it starts slow. You know, I think that mm-hmm. as men and, and, and in women, but in regardless, we're obviously having the conversation towards our fellow brothers is um, at, the more that we end up fixating on what other people want, the more we lose in, uh, lose touch with what we want and how we want to be and who we want to be. So the more we practice that, the more our mind says, you know, you're not, you don't care what you want. So we're just not going to give you that information. And it just becomes habitual and, and routine. And just the way things are is that I don't focus on myself because I don't actually even know what it is anymore. And I know a lot of men get in that space and I have too, where you just lose touch. What do I want? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, it's just whatever, what, whatever the man box says, whatever, whatever society says, happy wife, happy life, get this career, get this job, whatever. We'll just lose touch with what we want. And which means that it's going to take some practice to get into the space of understanding what self-leadership looks like and understanding your own wants and desires and hopes and goals and dreams. It's going to take some time. It's not going to be an overnight fix, but start small, right? In this moment to be like, what would be best for me right now? And maybe it's just going to get a coffee. That is an expression of self-leadership is just simply deciding in this moment, what I want right now is just to go and walk and get a coffee. Boom. That small practice leads into later in the day being like, you know what, what do I want for lunch? I don't know. You know what? I'm not sure. And that's okay because it's not supposed to come to you every time if you're practicing, right? Just like the skills in any sport don't come to you just because you're, you're always practicing. Sometimes you forget them and you got to relearn them. You're like, whoa, I learned that. Wait a second. Hold on. How'd I miss that one? You know, mm-hmm. those moments happen. And it's the same thing with self-leadership. It's sometimes they'll come to you and sometimes you won't, but the more we suppress or deflect or antagonize it, the less it's going to come to us and the less we'll know and the farther away we will get from ourselves. One thing I want to also, you know, give the audience is the reality is, is that like self-leadership is something that's really hard to learn around a lot of people. Mm. Right. So if you're one of those people who like struggles to like, you know, go on a walk by yourself, you know, isolate yourself from the world. um, I would encourage you to start to start to get to know that person alone, that person who is by themselves and, and start to regulate and monitor some of the things that happen when you're by yourself, you know, good and bad, you know, um, 
that's a good way of finding that loneliness without it being like given to you. You know, there's a lot of people that are given loneliness and they have to deal with it. And it's a challenge and it's a struggle. It's another thing to go seek out loneliness for the betterment of yourself, you know? And so I got to go to Australia. I got to put myself in an environment that forced me to think about some certain things. I was put in the environment of loneliness and I got to, got to deal with the challenges of that. And I became a better person because of it, because I got to face the music. Mm. If you're in a relationship, for example, how much alone time are you actually getting? If you work, you're with your colleagues, you come home, you're with your partner. How much time do you get to just like, what do I think about when I'm by my damn self? You know, um, and, you know, being a people pleaser, me when I was younger, being an, an extrovert, I actually hated being alone. Like my first year living alone, I slept at my friend's house 50% of the time. Mm. It was a hotel. Like I never really spent time there. Like I never spent the evening there. Like, you know, I would always just find a way out, find a way out, find a way out, find a way out. And then you get greeted with like long winded. And now it's even harder to find loneliness because we've got these goddamn phones and social media. So even when we're alone, we're not alone no more. Right? Like let that resonate. Like you're never really alone anymore if you don't want to be alone. Back in the day when you were at a doctor's office waiting to be called, you have to read the damn magazine that was there to like distract yourself. Now you're like closing deals. You're flirting with women. You're, when are you ever alone? You know? And so if you don't, as a, as, as a man, as an individual, as a human being on this planet, actively go seek loneliness, you will never learn the lessons that are learned alone. And those are typically the lessons that lead to the strongest amounts of self-awareness, the strongest amounts of self-leadership, the strongest amounts of self-discipline is the lessons you learn by yourself alone in isolation, in, in intentional isolation that you bring back into the chaos of the world that you then now use as benchmarks for what you want to be, who you want to be and how you want to sound. Cause you have, those are the only times you have no influence. Like it's just you because mm. you've chosen to be alone. Um, and the more people you get into your life, the more responsibilities, it's harder to seek out that loneliness, I find now in today's world. Um, and so I implore you to, you know, don't wait for life to make you lonely. Go find out that loneliness by yourself and see what you can come up with and then come back. Mm. You know, because in those environments, you're actually not lonely. You're manufacturing loneliness and then you're going back to an environment that's safe, you know, where there's people that don't get to go back to an environment that's safe. They're only in an alone state. Uh, and that's when it's like you're being faced with the music it's sink or swim you know what I mean um, but seeking out that loneliness seeking out that isolation I think is very critical in be being able to understand yourself at a high level um, so I would encourage you if you don't find if you don't have loneliness go on that walk and leave the phone at home what comes up what are you feeling you know a lot of times the reason why we don't have answers is we don't have enough time to think about an answer to the question. You know, you might be irritated by something your partner said or something that your boss said, but you didn't get long enough time to think about why you're irritated. And therefore that, that thing is going to come back. The universe will show you that thing again, and then you're going to get irritated again and not know why. And then it comes back and then it comes back. And, you know, now you've been living, you know, you've been irritated for six, seven years, never actually identified it, never been able to proactively correct the irritation. Um, and so you only get answers when I feel like you're really, really by yourself and you understand why you overreacted or why you underreacted or why you care or why you don't care. Um, 
and that leads to self-awareness, which leads to, you know, a higher level of emotional intelligence and all of it kind of bleeds together. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. absolutely. And you know me, I'm, I'm always going to adjust language a little bit. Uh, we're talking about alone and lonely now, which I think is such a great uh, positioning of understanding self-leadership. And what I find hilarious is we often reach for the phone because we are feeling lonely and we're not okay with being alone. Right. And I feel like loneliness to me is an expression of a emotional manifestation of not being okay with being alone. Mm -hmm. So when someone calls you and they're like, Hey, are you alone? You say, yeah, I'm alone, which is the physical representation of you just being by yourself. You don't say, no, I'm, I'm lonely. You know, right. You don't say I'm lonely. You say I'm alone. And I think that that when you're seeking things out, if you're in the bathroom, for example, and you have your phone, it's because you, you, you're feeling lonely. And so therefore the feeling of it makes you reach for other people. But if you were just to be alone in the bathroom, then it's like what you said, just understanding what it's like to just be in my own space on its own. But that could bring up feelings of loneliness mm -hmm. and that loneliness is what hurts. And that's the hard part. And eventually you start to understand that I'm not lonely. I'm just being alone, mm -hmm. alone being the physical representation of just being on my own. And that's okay. Right. But being lonely is the seeking out of other people to make me not feel like I am alone. And that's some huge part of the world where we're constantly seeking something. Right. That's why for me, I was serial dating. Don't be alone. Don't be alone. Don't be alone. Because when you're alone, you feel lonely. Mm -hmm. But being alone was really where it was the biggest the teacher for me. And that's why primitively speaking, you know, they pull the, the young man away and they, they bring him to the woods and say, figure it out because he needs to be alone in his journey and his venture with maybe a little bit of support, but still alone to be like, okay, find food, find water, find X, Y, Z, do this, do that. So you're not dependent on the mother to make this happen for you. And then he comes back and he's good. He feels the independent, which is what alone time does is it creates the independence, which is essentially what we're talking about today is understanding of yourself in order to self lead. Wow. Um, I feel like we've had like, a, sometimes, you know, we have these takeaways, we have these PQs and, you know, at the end of the episode, you try to have like, you know, what was your biggest takeaway? But when you've, when there've been so many moments in a conversation, it's almost, I'm kind of like, well, I have to reflect back on the beginning. Like, what was the first yeah. couple of conversations? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel like we hit so many, uh, but then I also think that it's a very powerful way to kind of tie it up because if you still remember the thing, then it is the one big takeaway for you, right? It's still living inside of you. It's still resonating. So even though we've had so many conversations, it's still lingering, um, which I mean, is a telltale sign that that was probably your biggest takeaway, but uh, you know, from this conversation, you know, where, where did you resonate with the most? Did you have an aha moment or was there something that, you know, you um, are going to take away from this conversation that you thought was very powerful um, specifically? Uh, yeah, it was such, it was so much there. There was so much in this conversation. And um, as far as like, I think a biggest takeaway goes for me is through your story, through that gentleman's story that we shared and through the research that I've done, I think it's just about uh, the takeaway is that we're not alone in this. You know, we're not alone in this journey. We're not the only men who feel like we don't know who we are. We are not the only ones. And while that is a pretty tough reality sometimes to realize and be like, whoa, there's just a bunch of men out there that are just living somebody else's truth and not their own. 
while that sucks, there's a little bit of comfort in that. There is a little bit of comfort in realizing that I'm not the only one. And everything that I share here, you know, for me is from experience, but it, I am definitely not a perfectly self-led man. I will, I will be the first to admit it. I'm not a perfectly self-led man. I still sacrifice. I still give myself away in certain areas. I still don't stand tall in my truth. And that's the truth of it. That's the reality of it all. And I never want to defer away from that. And that would be, I guess, my takeaway is to just be honest with that and not sit in a space of, I am perfectly self-led because I, I would posit the question back is whose voice is that, mm-hmm. right? So for me, that's, that's the takeaway is I'm learning, you're learning, the guy on the video is learning. Um, all of us are just, we're learning. Mm-hmm. Every single day is an opportunity for me to deepen my understanding of myself and what that means and how to fully express that in that truth. And honestly, how to even express that as my truth, because that's another thing too, is how do you even communicate that that's my truth? I think that no one gives you the tools to do that or the, maybe like a guideline, you know, of how to express who you really are, because I think it comes out in such a way that it's like, I don't care about you. I only care about me. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is not the reality of it all. Uh, right. And one thing that I read in this book, it says true masculine energy is not about dominating others without regard for their needs, but rather it provides leadership and structure that incorporates their needs. So in the process of me speaking my truth here in this space, this is not an expectation that everyone just now lives by my truth. And just as that my truth is incorporated and that your truth will be incorporated. And that's how I feel like we really create some sort of synchronicity or harmony within the people around us. I'm going on on a tangent, but that's my takeaway from the day. (laughs) From the As you can see, the conversation was so good. I'm so many things I'm pulling out of it. Uh, What was your biggest takeaway? Yeah, man, I genuinely appreciate that honesty too, right? Because it's... That honesty to me is, I mean, we deal with this, right? Like, you know, it's, it's the honoring of the journey, right? We keep saying this honoring of the journey, right? We've decided, me and you have decided, we're putting our flag in the ground. We want to honor the journey of helping men become better men. But that does not mean that we're perfect. So don't hold that light to me. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, 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 it's a very, like we're trying our best to honor the journey of other men and honor the journey of our own, you know, but the perception of life, the way the world we live in now is the fact that you've made a modern masculinity podcast. Therefore you can't make mistakes anymore. Like, right. Come on. Like we are, we are understanding that there's a problem and we want to add more voices, uh, you know, to help, you know, mitigate some further problems and all that kind of stuff. But that does not mean that we're not growing as men every single day, that we're not trying our best to, you know, like, you know, you corrected me earlier when I used the word female and, you know, that was a beautiful describe, like a depiction of honoring my journey of trying to get to no more female, say the word woman, say the word woman, right? Quick little adjustment. We correct. I even said it again, I think later on in the conversation, it slipped out and I self-corrected. That is honoring the journey. That Mm. is saying, hey, you're deciding who you want to be and you're working towards those things, right? And so I love that honesty that you just shared there because it it is something that, you know, you need to understand. It's very easy to like get caught up in the rat race of trying to be like, well, I need to be this thing. But I want to always remind you and I hope you always remind me that, hey, it's a journey, man, and you're on it. And, you know, as long as you can continue to ascend to where you're trying to go, don't feel judgments from, you know, um, failing it sometimes when you, you know, you don't fully get there um, because in your heart, you know, where you're trying to be uh, and where you're trying to work towards. And so, you know, I would, I would echo those sentiments. I think that, you know, self-leadership is something that I'm still working on. Um, 
my biggest takeaway though was damn you said something in the the language shift there with loneliness and lonely that like really struck me because if you really understand that if you really understand that then i think that you will start living a better life just just in general because being okay with being alone now implies that when I go and seek out hanging out with you, it's like, I know I'm okay with being alone. I'm choosing to hang out with you. Like, this is not, I am not running to you because I'm lonely, right? Like there's, that's a, I'm fixing something there, right? Like, it's like, I'm lonely. Who's around you? Let's go. Right. And I'm, 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 I'm hiding from myself. I'm hiding from my own truth. But when I'm, I'm like, no, no, no. I like hanging out with me. I'm good here. Right. And then you go and now I want to hang out with you. I want to be in these spaces. I want to be here on a Sunday recording this podcast. I want to be in a relationship with that individual because I'm not running from me. I'm good. Like, I like being alone. I like me. I'm just seeking now. If you can really understand that. And what I would implore is that it takes time to like yourself. Mm. It takes time to be good at being alone. Mm. Like it's, it's work. It's not, you don't just like, you're going to notice that there's a lot of parts of you that you don't like. It's embracing that. It's, it's, it's dealing with that. And, you know, because we're imperfect, it goes to show that like, you can like someone who's imperfect as well. Right. If you learn to like yourself and you learn to be alone and to appreciate the good sides of you and the bad sides of you, you've just shown, you've just proven to yourself that you can do that with someone else. Mm. Because if you can do it with yourself, if you can like your own imperfections and you can like, you, you can like the things that you're good at. Well, guess what you just taught yourself? You just said, hey, I can, I can, I can hold space for someone else's imperfections too because mm. I can hold it for myself, mm-hmm. right? But what we often do is that we, we hate the things about ourselves, so we ignore them. We love the things about ourselves that are perfect, and then we go and we, we seek that energy out in other people. We don't hold space for the things that they're not good at, and we seek perfection. So now when I'm, I'm like, because I, I, I haven't even embraced my own imperfections, so how am I going to embrace yours? I haven't even worked on my own, right? But you only learn those things in, in, by starting the process of being alone and actually learning to how to like be in that state without wanting to, without feeling like it's loneliness. And so your language shift there, damn, that, that's one of those things that will, I will, I know I will take for the rest of my life. Like those, that's one of those moments where you hear something and you go, I can't unsee it anymore. Like mm. I, I can't unsee it. And I think what traveling did for me is it shifted the, it was almost like the fighting of like viewing loneliness, viewing being alone as loneliness. The fight between those two was like what was creating such a negative internal conflict. Like, you know, and it was the settling of, it's okay. You're alone. Deal with you. Because during that depression period, I couldn't deal with anybody else but myself, right? So I had to deal with just me, just me, just me, just me. And then learn that, damn, I can't change that part about me, man. Like, it's just, that's just <laughs> what it is. Like, I can't, I can't move that along. I can only just be better. You know what I mean? And um, damn, man, that was, that was sick. That was a sick mm. aha moment for me. So that's definitely my biggest takeaway. Beautiful, beautiful. And to wrap up the conversation, you know, I, I, I do actually want to extend off that because something just clicked with me with that alone versus a loneliness thing is um, alone is a connection. Alone means connected. 
well connected to me. Loneliness means you're disconnected. So if you're lonely, it just means it, it's a representation of your disconnection with self. But if you're feeling like you are good with alone and you are alone in this moment, you still feel empowered in this moment. If I feel like I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, I'm alone in this room, that doesn't prompt any pessimism or negativity or feelings of loss or mourning or grief. Like there's not nothing but a connection with self if I am alone, which tells me, okay, cool. What do you want to do now? You know, what do you want to do? Let's go do something, you know, because I'm alone. Maybe let's go join my friends. Like you said, conscious choice. Or maybe I will just stay here tonight and I'll watch a movie because I, I feel like being alone, not because I'm running from something and feeling lonely because mm -hmm. the lonely is the disconnection. You know, you can be, you can feel lonely with other people in the room. And that for me is a representation of it's just because you're disconnected with yourself and therefore you feel lonely. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was just an extension off of that. It really came to me in the moment, which I love, um, just speaking on those moments. But to truly wrap up the conversation, instead of leaving you with the PQ for next week, we thought we would just leave you with a PQ based on this episode. And just an extension off of this, something to reflect on. And there's so many, I think, already opportunities within the podcast to start asking yourself questions because that's what we did. We just asked each other's questions and we answered our own questions and brought to light some, some powerful things. And so for me, I think the, the question that we want to leave you with, or sorry, for us that we want to leave you with is what do you want? And I say that, and it sounds simple, but the question really truly is what do you want? And the question is meant to birth ideas of extracting the wants of other people that you feel you need to uphold and just asking yourself, what is it exactly that you want? What is it that you desire? What is it that you feel fulfilled by? And I, again, you know, we've probably been asking these questions before, but with the context of this whole conversation, I think that there's a new light birthed into this space. There's a new light that's being shone on what do I want? Because so many of us think we know what we want, but it's somebody else's voice. And so the question for you is just to analyze for a second. It's like in this moment, what do I want? And if that's not there, that's okay. Relish in the wanting. Enjoy the wanting. Feel the wanting. Without the expectation that you have to have it, just, just enjoy the relish of what you are wanting because that is a self-led decision. And that doesn't always mean there's an outcome. Don't be overly attached to the outcome. Just ask yourself, what do you want? And relish in the wanting. And if you can go get it, you want ice cream right now? Damn, go get ice cream, bro. Let's go. Go get ice cream. But if that's not something you can do right now because it's 3 a.m. and ice cream's not available, relish in the wanting. Be like, you know what I want right now? Ice cream. That, for me, is the small but short practice of representing how to embody who you really are, your authentic expression, and just asking the, the powerful question. What do you want? What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to join us next week as we put out content every single Wednesday. Our goal with this platform is to create a community to support men on their journey of becoming conscious kings. And in saying so, if you took any value out of this episode or previous episodes, please share, download, subscribe. And if you're feeling really up to it, go ahead and leave a review. You can follow us at Modern Masculinity. Remember, the K, it's with a K, not a C, to represent the mask that we wear. And like always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.